He is the quintessential ambassador of the American songbook. And uh, he's a historian. He's uh, New Gershwin, uh, Rosemary Clooney, Presidents, uh, uh, Burt Bacharach. It just goes on and on. Of course, he, he sings Sinatra about as good as Sinatra as it gets. And uh, we welcome uh, Mr. Uh, Feinstein to our broadcast. Michael Feinstein, how are you, sir? I am very good. Thank you, Rhett, because uh, I think like you, we both have the great gift of being able to do what we love. Yeah, uh, you're amazing. I mean, you're you're, you're an uh, archivist. Uh, Essentially, without you, some of these things might might have been forgotten, and uh, that's pretty amazing. As a matter of fact, I understand you have a huge collection of, of, of the American Songbook, the original recordings. Yes, I do. There's two things. I have the Great American Songbook Foundation, where a lot of uh, things that I've gotten from many estates uh, are gathered, and it's an amazing place that I encourage people to to check out. Uh, And also, I have a personal archive of material that will eventually go to the Songbook Foundation. And right now, I'm sitting on over 10,000 square feet of, of music and recordings and master tapes and things that I have been able to collect through the years that were literally being thrown away and put into dumpsters uh, that uh, I was I was in the right place at the right time and saved. Like, uh, you know, over the last several years, a lot of recording studios have gone out of business and often they have orphaned master tapes and they don't know what to do with them. So uh, I, I take them and I, and I go through them and rescue what needs to be rescued. And it's, it, I found some pretty amazing stuff. Michael, you're you're Michael Feinstein. You you are three years younger than me, and yet you know more about the history of of American music than I ever will. Who gave you this appetite for music? I'd have to say it's my parents. My parents uh, were not professional musicians, but my mom was a tap dancer. My dad loved to sing, and there was music always in our household. And um, I just soaked it up. I guess you did. Uh, now, you're, you've been a five-time Grammy-nominated uh, uh, recording artist, and um, I just, I've, I've been watching videos on YouTube of you, and, of course, those will live on long after both you and I are gone. You've got to feel pretty good about what uh, modern, you know, these modern, uh, 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 what do you call it, um, you know, like uh, YouTube or whatever, is doing... Technology? Yeah, yeah, technology. It's amazing. I mean, your stuff will live on forever now. Well, that's good and that's bad. <laughs> you know, because you know, it, it, it's warts and all now, and people people will record something live, and it's like, oh, God, I wish that, I wish that, that didn't exist. But, but it's true. <laughs> whatever it is, it's out there. So, yeah, it, it lives. <laughs> Now you you of course celebrate. I can remember going to the Waldorf Astoria. I was I'm from Poughkeepsie, New York, and I would walk through the lobby and I would go, "Is he here?" You know, Sinatra, the man. I never got to meet him, but you uh, did. You get to meet Sinatra when he was alive, Michael? Oh yes, yes. I was at his home for dinner, and um, yeah, it was. Uh, he was very very nice to me. I I absolutely got the best the best of Sinatra uh, personally. I was playing a private party at Chasen's Restaurant, which is the old celebrity watering hole that everyone used to go to. I was hired to play the piano for a birthday party for Frank's wife, Barbara, 
I had not met either of them, and I was just a hired piano player, and um, I decided I was going to learn all these very obscure songs that he had sung to try and get him to notice me. And um, after about an hour of playing these songs that were very obscure, like I played songs from the Kissing Bandit, you know, songs that nobody knew. <laughs> and he came over to me, and he looked at me very perplexed with those piercing blue eyes, and he said, Jesus, how do you know all those songs? How old are you, 12? <laughs> and uh, uh, then he invited me to join him at his table, and then they invited me to dinner, and that's how we became friends. And I think he liked me because he appreciated my passion for the music. You know, I didn't want to know about Ava Gardner. I wanted to know about uh, uh, Jimmy Van Usen. So, you know, we got along great. Well, I know a friend of mine who lives in this town now, she just is about 90, and she used to uh, be friends with Frank, a platonic relationship, but I know she went into the hospital, she she, she sang uh, every night at some famous hotel there in New York City, I forget what the name of it is, but anyway, she went into the hospital for a year, and sure enough, he paid the rent on her apartment for a year, and a new electric piano was delivered to her hospital room, and of course, we never know who did that, and of course, then there's the story of... Uh, of uh, Sammy Davis Jr., he owed the IRS a million dollars, and when he died, Sinatra drove over and gave his uh, widow a check for a million dollars. This guy was a good guy, wasn't he? Yes. You know, he was, as he said, I'm a world-class, is that what he said? Uh, World-class manic depressive. When he was happy, he was happy, and when he was sad or angry, you know, watch out. Really? Uh, But the the stories of his... uh, uh, largesse are amazing because he did it under the radar. I could tell you more stories of things that I, that he did for people, and he never wanted credit for it. He just did it. He was just a giver. I don't know where you are, what your what your beliefs are spiritually, but it's. Uh, I understand he was sick as a child and and almost touched death. And it seems like when people go there and they come back. They come back if they live with a gift. Uh, it could be healing. It could be whatever. And isn't, isn't that what really happened with Sinatra? You know, I, I, I don't know that. Uh, and having heard that, it makes sense because there was obviously a spiritual quality to mm. what he did because he inhabited the music and he uplifted us. And when I was with him one night, we were talking about how uh, Dean Dean Martin had just stopped singing. He just he just gave it up because he wasn't uh, he he was he was a very depressed man after well, the his, death of his son. Yeah, the death of his yeah, son. E- yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, Frank said, oh, "They're going to have to put me six feet under to get me to stop." You know, it was all about the music and what it brought to his soul and what he could give to other people with it. So certainly, that's spiritual. Now you're you're almost like music royalty. I mean, you realize you've you. I mean, here you are. I can't believe it. you're three years younger than me, and you're like music royalty. You sang at the White House. I know you sang. I just watched a video recently where you're singing for Burt Bacharach and President Obama. Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's a pretty amazing ride you've had. How did who was it that recognized you? Know because uh, what was it? Clive Davis said talent is rare, but more rare is talent that recognizes talent. So who was it that? Uh, that gave you a lift in this business? Well, Ira Gershwin. Ira Gershwin, uh, I met Ira Gershwin when I was 20 years old. How? And uh, through June Levant, the widow of the great concert pianist and wit, Oscar Levant, whom I called up, I cold called when I came to California, and she was intrigued by this 20-year-old kid who knew everything about her husband and about that era. 
and we became friends, and eventually she introduced me to the Gershwin family, and Ira Gershwin's next-door neighbor was Rosemary Clooney, and I met Rosemary, and uh, she invited me to to uh, uh, play piano for her, and uh, then through the Gershwins, I met Vincent Minnelli, and then I met his daughter Liza, and Liza uh, threw a huge party for me in Hollywood. To, as I said once, it was the kind of party that if it hadn't been thrown for me, I certainly wouldn't have been invited to, because it included Elizabeth Taylor and Henry Mancini, and, and I mean, just amazing people, and that helped put me on the map. So Liza is Liza Rosemary and Ira Gershwin are all responsible for my getting recognition. Well, it's really nice that people stepped up beside you and helped you. Uh, one thing about your, your concerts is it, it, you are a historian, a music historian. It's not just the songs, but the stories that you tell are marvelous. The insight of you having had these intimate rel- you know, relationships, friends that uh, have, have etched their mark in the history of music, the American songbook. Well, I, I, sought out, I sought out the songwriters of the songs that I love who were still living when I was young, and I got to meet a lot of them. So, like, for example, when I do my show in Fort Pierce on the 27th, I'll, I'll be telling stories about uh, Richard Rogers or about Ira or about Hugh Martin, who wrote the trolley song, or Irving Berlin, who I talked to on the phone, or, uh, or and Sinatra. You know, they're all, they're all part of the narrative because uh, people listen to songs differently when they have a little backstory or they mm. understand a little bit about the, about the creation, it changes the way you hear something. Yes. Yes. The his, it's all about the story, isn't it? It's kind of like Van Gogh. Absolutely. The reason we were willing to pay $90 million for Van Gogh is not just for Van Gogh. It's because of his story that we know about. And, uh, the exactly. Tur- yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's, so that's what's really great about you. You're like a traveling, uh, you really, you know, before you get old, uh, maybe you should consider, I don't know what you've done already, but making archives professionally because you are like, you're like a walking history book of the American songbook. So it's phenomenal what you've done, and it's all come from a place of absolute love. It's not manufactured. It's not manipulation. You're, you, you've succeeded because you love it, and, and I congratulate you on that, and I admire you exceedingly for that well that's very kind it's all been fueled by passion Mm -hmm. and that's why i started the great american songbook foundation to preserve the archives and the artifacts and all of that material and uh to collect histories because uh, it's important you know i i think that like many things this american popular music that i'm so involved in mainly from the 20th century even though it does continue will be further or more appreciated and recognized in a hundred years than it is now. There's no question about that. Just as we look at Shakespeare and say, oh my God, that is timeless, or uh, Michelangelo or, or, or Beethoven. It's, it's all, uh, when something is great, it, 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 lasts, it, it outlives the time in which it was created, and I believe that for this music. Okay, so let's talk about, let's take a few of your favorite artists or their favorite songs. Uh, you know, uh, my mom used to always sing to me, Oops, there goes another rubber tree plant, kerplunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So, and or love and, love and marriage. What are your favorite songs by, whether it's Rosemary Clooney or Gershwin or Frank Sinatra, what are your favorite songs, Michael Feinstein? Mm-hmm. Love is Here to Stay is my favorite Gershwin song. 
and uh, I've sung that many times through the years. I, I used to sing it with Rosemary Clooney when we toured together. It was the last song that the Gershwins wrote together, and I just recorded it with, with Dolly Parton for an album coming out next month called Gershwin Country uh, that uh, uh, shows that these songs can last, and it's, it's amazing to hear how Dolly sings that song. But Love Is Here To Stay is my number one favorite song. Uh, how Do You Keep The Music Playing by Marilyn and Alan Bergman and Michelle Legrand is, is a favorite of mine. I'll be singing that in, in Fort Pierce on the 27th. Uh, that's a favorite. Um, there's so many of them. I just did a tribute to Peggy Lee uh, several days ago in New York at Carnegie Hall. And I was reveling in all the songs that she sang. And she wrote, uh, uh, she wrote a beautiful song called Where Can I Go Without You that I loved singing. Uh, and uh, another song that was a favorite of Peggy's is also a favorite of mine called The Folks Who Live on the Hill by Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein. I mean, my God, I could go on and on. Yeah, uh, I would like to know about this. When I, when I think of a guy like you, and I thank God because you could... You could just, you, 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 you know, I presume you're financially well, so you don't have to keep doing this. You're doing this out of a love. Does it, I mean, you were just at Carnegie Hall. Now you're going to be down at the, uh, at the theater in Fort Pierce. And, um, and, and I, does it ever get tiring, uh, all this travel? Or Well, it's a part of me, uh, connecting with people. And I, I, this is what I'm supposed to do, at least mm-hmm. for now. And when it feels like, that is no longer the case, I'll stop. Right now, I feel like music is one of the most important things to bring into people's lives, and uh, certainly the appreciation of audiences in this time has been heightened because music is such an incredible healing force. Vibration, sound, and energy, the energy and the vibrations of music is so important. And the live experience is very different from listening to a recording mm. because it is, it is acoustic music that vibrates, that vibrates with the physical body, that creates transformation. And I don't want to get too uh, woo-woo, but it's true. It's absolutely true. And so this is a time where it's very important for, for me to make music as it is for, I think, all artists. And I'll keep going until, until it's time to stop. And I have no ego about that. I don't know if that'll be tomorrow or if it'll be, God willing, 20 years. But whatever it is, I just, I just do it because right now it's what I'm supposed to do. Now, what's the date that you'll be at the theater in Fort Pierce? Um, February 27th. So, so pretty soon. So that's coming right up. Michael Feinstein, uh, historian, uh, New Gershwin himself. I mean, I sang with Rosemary Clooney and New Sinatra and personal friends. Folks, you will love the stories he will tell. He's the ambassador of the American Songbook, music revivalist, interpreter, and archivist. Uh, arch- archivist, I should say, right? Uh, Grammy Award yeah. nominated many, multiple times. And it's just an honor to talk to you. And, and thanks for doing what you're doing with such passion. Uh, you, you're one of a kind out there. You're very unique, and, and just on, as a musician myself, I just admire you exceedingly. So thanks for spending this time with us. I, I do appreciate it, Michael Feinstein. Thank you very, very much, Red. It, it was truly a pleasure. I enjoyed it, and uh, I hope that we uh, meet face-to-face. I hope so, too. Uh, uh, we'll see you. Uh, and until then, uh, break a leg, okay, kiddo? All right. Thank you, and all blessings. Okay, you too, Michael Feinstein. Michael Feinstein, don't miss this concert. You are going to love it.